You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Abe Shapiro. This is the WFHB Local News for Tuesday, May 23rd, 2023. Later in the program, WFHB correspondent Cynthia Roberts-Hall interviewed Pastors for Peace Executive Director Gail Walker about the peace caravan they are leading to Cuba. More in today's feature report. Also coming up in the next half hour, we have Lil Bub's Lil Show, a co-production between WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We turn now to that segment. But first, your local headlines. On May 17th at the Monroe County Redevelopment Commission meeting, President of the Commission, Richard Martin, introduced a discussion of residential TIF funds. But uh, the uh, Commission uh, generates funds for infrastructure improvements by creating what we call a tax increment financing district. And the revenue which is generated by growth within that district is able to be used to pay off bonds that we use then to build infrastructure. And normally we build roads, but we've done sewers. Uh, we also can make a contribution to the uh, Richland Bean Blossom School Corporation for their STEM programs. Uh, essentially anything that, that helps with the uh, improvement of the lives of the people that are in the district, which is designated as a TIF district. County Attorney Jeff Cockerell added more about what TIF districts are for and how the districts are formed. Uh, Commissioner Martin went over the basics on how, how the revenue is generated. I think if you look uh, at the postcard that we sent, the areas in the south are, are pretty much already in what we consider the State Road 46 Economic Corridor or TIF district. And so some of these are already in a TIF district. Some of them are not. Historically, uh, TIF districts were for uh, manufacturing and other kind of business uses. Uh, recently, the legislature has allowed for uh, a residential components of a TIF district, and I think uh, even this past legislative session, they've been encouraging more of these types of, of TIF, TIF districts. So uh, the, the fundamental of what a TIF district does, again, is they provide the infrastructure and support to develop properties uh, within the, the boundaries of that of that district. And in, in this case, we're looking at the area around here off State Road 46 um, near I-69 and, and that general area for a to see if a development TIF area makes sense. And so I think that it, it, I, I could talk all day about TIF districts, so I, I kind of want to keep it on point. Martin described the areas that they are currently considering turning into TIF districts. The one on the south uh, is the area which is currently within <coughs> the 
uh, what we call the uh, uh, State Road 46 uh, TIF. Uh, for many of you that, uh, uh, or for us at least, it's often known as the North Park uh, PUD area. Uh, that was uh, 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 created uh, 15 years ago now, something like that. And there has been some development on the south side of 46, but there has been essentially no development in that uh, planned unit development on the north side of 46. Then there is another area, uh, and that area is between uh, State Road 46 and essentially Arlington Road. Then there is another uh, area outlined north of Arlington Road, which is now uh, pretty much vacant property, which sits to the south of some subdivisions out on uh, that uh, Maple Grove Road there? I've forgotten the, 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 no, that's north yeah, of that. the road there. And um, it is west of uh, the interstate. And then it's generally in uh, Bloomington Township with a little bit of it in, uh, uh, I think that's Richland Township over there. Martin said that the amount of taxes collected doesn't change, but it changes how the county is able to use the taxes. I should point out, this doesn't change the amount of the tax on the property at all. All it does is change how that tax money is used within county government. It doesn't change the amount of the tax that you're going to pay. It just means that we get to divert part of that for a specific use within county government. A Monroe County resident who attended the meeting asked what affordable housing is. Martin responded and explained how the county taking care of infrastructure can help make housing more affordable. And we would like to think that affordable housing is in the sub $200,000 at this point. Uh, it, that, that threshold for affordable housing, as inflation eats away at everything, keeps increasing. So what we're trying to do is to stay well below what the average market price is for a, piece, for a house. And we know we've, we've done some research on what the components of housing cost are. Uh, so we know where we can impact the cost of housing. The vast majority of the cost of housing is not something that county government can manipulate or manage or do anything about. Those are all market considerations. We do have some capabilities when it comes to infrastructure, and that's primarily where the residential tip would come in in terms of providing some infrastructure uh, to support more affordable housing. Another resident asked if this would impact how much the school system would receive from taxes. Martin said it would not affect the schools since their taxing is separate. Yet another resident asked how the district would see an increase in value. Marvin explained that it is a long-term investment and that similar bonds have been used successfully in the past. And where is the increase in the value coming? When you build the homes, the value increases. These are long-term bonds. We bond for 20, 25 years. So we may do a project and the build-out that's associated with that infrastructure may take 20 years to come to fruition to end up paying off those bonds in total. 
this is a this is a mechanism which we have used successfully throughout the county. The Monroe County Redevelopment Commission will meet again on June 21st. WFHB correspondent Cynthia Roberts-Hall interviewed Pastors for Peace Executive Director Gail Walker about the peace caravan they are leading to Cuba. Walker spoke on Sunday, May 21st at the Cascades Inn, where the Interreligious Foundation for Community Organization, or IFCO, French Shipment Caravan, held a fundraiser. We turn now to Roberts-Hall. Bloomington has hosted stops of Pastors for Peace uh, Friendship McCaravans for decades now. Gail Walker has a long history as her father was the founder of Pastors for Peace. She is now the executive director and um, visited Bloomington where Kumami Stad held a fundraiser to help them in their goal of raising funds to get critical medical supplies to Cuba. The form of the friendship has evolved over the years, so I'm here with Gail and wanting her to give us a little history on the trajectory of the uh, group Pastors for Peace and what you do, your current goals, and, and your outreach to other communities throughout U.S. and maybe beyond. <laughs> <laughs> great. Thank you. Thank you, Cynthia. Thanks for this opportunity. It's great to always do radio. I love radio. So, Me too. <laughs> I appreciate y'all here. It was WFHB 91.3 on the FM. All right. <laughs> do a little promo. There you go. <laughs> anyway, this is great. I um, am really pleased to be in uh, Bloomington. I'm on the road uh, as part of our annual friend shipment caravan to Cuba. Uh, a lot of people will say, why Cuba? What are you doing talking about Cuba? Um, for more than 30 years, our organization, IFCO, the Interreligious Foundation for Community Organization, which is a faith-based uh, community organization, and our special project, Pastors for Peace, uh, we have um, organized caravans of humanitarian aid to various places, including to Cuba, since 1992. Oh, right. You guys started with Nicaragua, where, incidentally, uh, Bloomington's other sister city is in Nicaragua, mm. in Pozoltega. Oh, I didn't it know that. It preceded um, the formation of our Santa Clara uh, with Bloomington's sister city relationship. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. So there's all these uh, ways in which we're <laughs> interconnected. Sure. But yeah, so back in 1988, um, my dad and uh, Reverend Lucius Walker, who's now passed away, and myself were helping to co-lead a delegation that went to Nicaragua. Why Nicaragua? Um, because at that point in time, um, our government, uh, the, the president at that time, Ronald Reagan, was uh, really engaged in what they called low intensity warfare in Nicaragua, which makes no sense because there's nothing that's not intense about war. But there were um, uh, efforts to really, uh, I think, undermine the uh, at that point in Nicaragua, the, the government, the Sandinista government. And we found out firsthand, um, our delegation of 10 people, we were uh, attacked on a, a passenger ferry um, along with 200 Nicaraguan civilians. And there were two people who were killed in that attack and 29 people who were wounded. And one of the wounded was my dad. Um, 
we we like to say he was euphem, euphemistically we say he was he was struck by a bullet in the upper thigh, but it really was his behind. <laughs> so uh, thankfully he had a meaty butt, and uh, um, but he used that opportunity to talk about our government's policy in Nicaragua, and as a U.S. citizen, as a Baptist pastor, as a community activist, he was able to use his voice to say, you know, this is wrong. Our government is doing wrong to the people of Nicaragua. And he prayed for a response and came up with the idea of Pastors for Peace. And we've been organizing caravans to deliver humanitarian aid, but more importantly, to talk about U.S. foreign policy and the impact it has on people. So starting in Nicaragua, and you're right, um, we, we morphed our way, uh, various countries in the region, and since 92 have been doing a similar uh, kind of initiative in, in Cuba. So that's right. how we kind of got here. And we've had a couple of local folks over the years who have gone on the caravan. And mm -hmm. uh, as you were mentioning, um, there are other trips that Pastors for Peace is now organizing that have a more specific focus. And maybe we'll um, touch on that at uh some other point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But different delegations yes, to talk yes. about different uh, right. themes, uh, climate change or uh, Exactly. Education, That's why I was thinking health. because of Eco Report that we'll yes. try to squeeze that in there one day. <laughs> okay. That sounds great. Right. But uh, but this route, this caravan, um, we're starting, we're, we've got four different legs of the caravan in various parts of the country. We'll be stopping in 40 U.S. cities, um, having um, educational conversations about Cuba so many of us, whether we're little ones or we've got gray hair, have been really indoctrinated with a very negative you know, um, perspective about Cuba. Right. And we're out here saying, listen, we've been, we've been there. We've had some of these ex uh, hands-on experiences that we want to share to help uh, change the narrative that is mostly negative, whether that's from our elected officials and often our, our mainstream media. So that's the goal. Um, it's to talk about Cuba. It's to collect uh, funds, as you said, uh, for desperately needed uh, medical aid uh, that Cuba is not able to produce for itself because of the policy of this embargo or blockade that has been in place since 1959, 1960, when, when uh, Cuba launched its revolution and fought back against a dictator and 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 really um, focused on the needs of the people in the area right. of health and education. Well, right. And on the medical, uh, Cuba does such advanced research and has a wonderful um, medical uh, advances. And they've even uh, shared a lung vaccine, I believe, with uh, yes. the U.S. Mm -hmm. uh, and... Um, there's not Indiana connection with that with the fellow uh, Dr. Kelvin Lee, who's head of the cancer center in Indianapolis That's now, who, who was uh, involved in that initially. But um, a lot of that cannot come to fruition because of lack of funds and so on and so forth. Right. So that's what's really sad when they have the capacity but are stymied yeah. and stifled by policies. And you know, Cynthia, it's really important that you're raising that because often people think, oh, well, we should change this policy because it's going to strictly just help Cuba. Right. And that's true. But we and the United States would also benefit for the reasons that you just indicated. They've got they've got a variety of different kinds of uh, treatments that we would certainly benefit. Right. And for bi diabetes. Diabetes. Right? Yes. How many of us have family right. that have either succumbed to diabetes or had amputations because of diabetes? Right. I mean, we all know some, at least one person. They've got a... Uh, a treatment. It's called Herbaprot P. Um, and it, it really is a treatment to help uh, heal 
diabetic um, ulcers. Okay. So to prevent that constant amputation, which can lead to death, um, wouldn't that be a great uh, reason to lift this embargo, this this blockade, this effort to kind of isolate Cuba and allow for there to be that kind of an exchange? So it's really not just, oh, we have to change this policy to help poor, poor, pitiful Cuba, but also because we would all benefit from uh, the the wisdom and the the uh, what what Cuba can bring to the table uh, as a um, as a as a partner in in the world, you know. So that's right. important. And to elaborate on the differentiation between embargo, as it's yes. called technically here, and a blockade, the embargo should be just a one way. The U.S. is boycotting or sanctioning or whatever. However, with the nature of the policy. Uh, the limitations are much greater than that. They reach beyond the U.S. and limit other countries. If a product has more than 10% uh, U.S.-made parts, it is illegal according to um, the uh, embargo Bar- blockade mm-hmm. as it's uh, yeah. drafted to uh, get those into Cuba. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not sure exactly how that all plays out, but I know it makes yeah, the Cubans yeah. suffer. <laughs> it does. It, it truly does. The... Um, and, and it's a really good point you're making between, like we hear embargo and blockade. What is the difference? And you said it very well. And it, an, an embargo would be a unilateral, you know, exactly. I've got a beef with you. And so I'm trying to prevent you from trading and doing things. You and I, it's just Gail and Cynthia, as opposed to a blockade where I'm now saying Noel and everybody else in the world, I want you also to um, isolate, try to, don't trade with Cuba, ignore them. They're terrible. They do horrible things. They've been, you know, they're terrorists. There's all these claims that have been made against Cuba that are efforts to isolate her and prevent her from from uh, trading with the uh, the rest of the world, trading with the enemy, Tra- right? <laughs> yeah. forced to the Cuba's forced to trade with cash. No country in the world has to. They do it with credit. It's another way to try to um, isolate and, and and punish Cuba. Right, and, and ultimately, it's the people that suffer. Sure, and things that could so easily be accessed here. And I know that people. Uh, you, there's a lot of farmers in Indiana would be happy to see a greater increased trade uh, between the two nations. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's a yeah. It's just from that point of view that's it's a and it's a, a market uh, for for uh, that would support farmers from Indiana right. and, so and elsewhere. Cuba ends up having to get certain items from Vietnam. They trade with Vietnam, Isn't and that, that is so yeah, so distant. Where we're just ninety miles from. Uh, Cuba, it would make more sense yeah. overall, just environmentally even, you know. Right. And the problem is that there's just so many people that just don't know. All they hear is just one sort of negative, you know, uh, narrative about Cuba. And so a big part of the caravans is not only educating people by saying, listen, this has been my experience. Let me talk about what, you know, I've seen firsthand. I've been to Cuba, as you have, a number of times. And I think that's important mm-hmm. to challenge some of that misinformation. But it's also... Uh, The caravan is also designed to encourage people to travel to Cuba, whether you go with us, you go with other groups, but go and see. It's a beautiful country, beautiful people. Um, I'm just always amazed that, you know, given our government's, you know, really, I like to describe it as the boot of our government on the neck of the people, really causing such pain and suffering. But when you go, the the love is just amazing. It's, It's almost overwhelming. I'm thinking, how is it that I'm being welcomed so lovingly when the government, you know, 
of the country I live in. I don't want to call it my government because that's another story for another radio <laughs> interview. But the, the government, uh, the country I live in is creating such suffering for right. the people. Right. So, and like you it, said, there is love coming from the amazing. people because at our event, um, a number of the people had been to Cuba and they all commented, oh, I they're not going to like us because of all these uh, sanctions that our government has put into place. But they recognize readily that it's um, not the people themselves. Right. And they're very and open. They make that, and make that yeah. distinction. And that's yeah. it's beautiful. So it's it's a great opportunity. People, a lot of people don't know that you can go to Cuba. So that's true. A big part of you know what we try to do is just say, hey, this is something you should you consider and go and see and experience for yourself. Exactly, and that's what ultimately you will do in July. Go right. to uh, Santiago. I know you're going to have to hit the road here momentarily to get to your next stop in <laughs> yeah. Nashville, and you have a few others where you're doing your fundraising. Right. But ultimately, there is a group, uh, and um, technically. Applications are closed to go on that, but you could look online and, yes. you know, yeah. they might be a cancellation or somebody could exactly. squeeze in because you're going to San Diego, which I is a great know. part of Cuba We're to visit. excited about that. It's the eastern end of Cuba. We typically right. go to Havana and maybe some of the surrounding uh, provinces, but we'll be on the eastern end of the island where... That was really the birthplace of uh, Cuba's uh, revolution, and uh, we'll learn a lot about, you know, what's happening there. We'll go and uh, visit uh, the Guantanamo Bay uh, military base and talk to the people that are surrounded, Caimanera, that are surrounded uh, by that base. And what is the impact? What kind of impact is uh, that having uh, on the people there? So we're going to have a great opportunity to learn about um, Cuba's approach to health and education, sustainable development, um, the environment, climate change. Right. Um, you know, there's so many different um, lessons that can be learned. And it's really exciting because we, we have 60 people going, One. 40 of them first time in Cuba. Ooh, wow. It's amazing. And a good, at least two thirds are, are you know, young yeah. people who've never been and but are excited sure. to go and see and well, experience that is it themselves. so great. And it's been quite a pleasure to have you here with us. Thank I know you. we've probably way exceeded the amount of time um, that this is going to fit into a, a broadcast, but uh, nevertheless. Okay. Well, I'm excited that, you know, uh, to have had this opportunity. We didn't think we'd be able to do this, uh, right. fit this in, but I appreciate yeah. it. And I'm going to just say WFHB 91.3 on your FM dial. Make sure you lock it in. Up next, we have Lil Bub's Lil Show, a co-production between WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We turn now to that segment. Welcome to Lil Bub's Lil Show a weekly co-production from WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. First, here's today's featured animal. For today's featured animals, I want to share three special cats rescued by the Exotic Feline Rescue Center. Charlie Brown is a tiger who arrived in May of 2011 from Branson, Missouri, where he had been used in a magic show. He lived in a cage with a concrete floor. To clean his cage, bleach was dumped on the ground where Charlie walked, causing him to have nerve issues with his feet today. 
You can often see Charlie favoring a different foot when he walks, but that doesn't slow him down. He can be seen playing with his barrel often and enjoying his quiet life at the rescue center. George and Rodney are two male leopards that came from a mansion in Long Island, New York. A domestic dispute call led authorities to the mansion where George and Rodney's owner had the leopards roaming the house. Upon investigation, law enforcement found ivory, heads, and pelts of other endangered animals. It is illegal to have any exotic pets in New York, so the leopards were confiscated and taken to their new home at the EFRC in 2005. Their owner is one of the few people out of all of the EFRC's stories who actually spent time in prison for his crimes. George and Rodney have an amazing enclosure on the main tour thanks to the Tony Stewart Foundation. George is not as vocal as Rodney, but he is just as active. He loves to roll with logs and other toys around the enclosure. If you are lucky, you may catch some snuggling going on between these two boys on tour. You're listening to Lil Bub's Lil Show, a co-production of WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We now turn to this week's featured topic. On today's episode of Lil Bub's Little Show, we're going to be talking about the exotic feline rescue center located in Center Point, Indiana. Since its founding in the early 1990s, the EFRC has served as a rescue center and home to many exotic felines. Their mission is to provide permanent homes for exotic felines that have been abused, abandoned, or for some reason have nowhere to live out their lives, while at the same time educating the public about these beautiful cats. An animal who lives at the EFRC has a home for life, a stable social group to interact with, and excellent veterinary care and attention. The Exotic Feline Rescue Center has grown from its humble beginnings with only three exotic felines and 15 acres to today caring for over 100 cats and six foxes on over 200 acres. Being a nonprofit rescue center, tours are the main way the EFRC raises money. They offer daily guided walking tours that last about an hour. On a tour, you'll learn the rescue stories of the creatures who call the EFRC home from privately owned pets to retired circus animals. You'll also learn how the animals are cared for and how you can help. It's important to remember that guests are not permitted to touch, pet, or interact with any of the EFRC cats. As a 501c3 nonprofit rescue center, the EFRC does not breed, sell, or buy any of their animals. Next to caring for these amazing animals, their biggest job is educating the public about the plight of exotic animals in their care. If you would like to learn more about the Exotic Feline Rescue's important work, please visit their website at efrc.org. Thank you for tuning in to Lil Bub's Lil Show on WFHB, produced in partnership with Lil Bub's Big Fund. For more info on today's featured animal and topic, find us online at goodjobbub.org and wfhb.org.
Support for the WFHB Local News comes to you from MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB Local News Volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB Local News Archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB Local News. We are local, longer, 